When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I am Jay Kokorowski, senior writer, lead football writer, beat writer, whatever you want to call me, uh, at Badger Blitz, of course, part of the Rivals Network, where we cover all things Wisconsin from the recruiting trail inside Camp Randall Stadium and on the court of the Cole Center. And we're recording on Friday night, so we're not going to be able to talk about Wisconsin-Michigan State on the basketball court this week. We'll probably do that next week with Ben Morgel uh, a little bit more, or we'll get someone else on the podcast to talk about that. We're going to talk – I mean, this should be Colton and, Colton and I's week off, right? This is an off-season, man. We, you know, and I spoiled my guest right there because I have on good buddy from the Wisconsin state journal. We got Colton Bartholomew on the show because there's so much football right now, news that have come through and he's not in his head. I'm not in my head. My head's spinning. I was going to take, you know, start taking a couple days off starting Wednesday and then flurry of news just hits. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Colton, man, thanks for joining the show and let's start it off right now. And and let's talk about maybe the, the one, you know, we'll talk about the offensive coordinator position. That's, an external on the external jobs.wisc.edu site, but let's, let's talk about your report talking about Bob, Bob Bostad, a familiar name, current inside linebackers coach, but taking over according to your report, uh, coaching the offensive line, something that he is very much used to very familiar with because he did that from 2008 to 2011 at Wisconsin. Uh, also did that in the NFL at the NFL level level before coming back to the college ranks in your eyes, it seemed like the, I mean, make ask, seemed like the logical fit, right? Where you had someone on staff that has the experience that has a resume of building all Americans and NFL draft picks, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the biggest thing is you're Paul Christ is like, you know, number one, how important the offensive line is the success of not only all football teams, but especially a team that's trying to run the ball like they are. And Joe Rudolph's team lines had been solid. You know, I think that's funny. Like we've talked and I know you guys on your message boards and, and our comment sections and everything you saw all year, the complaints about the offensive line. It's like 95% of college football would kill to have Wisconsin football line <laughs> from this past season. It just wasn't what people expect out of the Wisconsin offensive line, which is one of the highest bars there is, but you enter Bob Bostad, you, you go into this, if you're Paul Chris and you say, is anybody from the outside going to be able to present a resume like Bob Bosett has coaching offensive linemen. And not only that, a guy that has a familiarity with everybody on this roster already knows who they are, has been practicing against them on the defensive side, knows their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, Yeah. It's just the perfect fit at the perfect time really where you really need with the talent they have in that room. I mean, all the four, five and four star guys that they have, all the potential is there. I, I think they would have, been really hard pressed to find somebody from the outside to be able to come in and have the immediate growth impact that they need to have at that group. Because, you know, I know there are three stars potentially coming back. I mean, Tyler Beach is coming back, but we'll see what happens at the left tackle spot. But this is a huge year for the offensive line because it's a ton of talent. They've got to step forward. They know what they've got from at some skill positions like running back, but this is a big year for the offensive line. And 
Bob Bosad's a guy that you really can't argue. Every position, everywhere he's been, he's been pretty successful with what he's got, especially when you look at what he's done at Wisconsin. It's a really hard, hard hire not to make, honestly. Right. And within that, too, you know, Wisconsin still needs to officially declare. We're just letting everybody know on this podcast, too. We're still waiting for the official announcement. It seemed like the logical conclusion going forward uh from right. you know with having bob uh, on staff already in his resume uh we like I said we're still waiting for the official announcement going forward uh and we'll see when that comes comes there but i guess too you talk about bob you talk about joe you talk about joe rudolph joe built those lines and he did great work taking over from gary anderson in, in that offense with with Andy Ludwig which by the way Andy Ludwig did a great job at Utah about and what you saw with mm-hmm. you know their rushing scheme what they did in the Pac-12 this year and almost beating Ohio State before collapsing in the second half like they did on New Year's Day but they took over the offensive line and kind of reestablished that Joe was a big part of that you saw what happened with Ryan Ramchek Michael Dieter you know they're all in the NFL David Edwards too uh and yeah, Bench, well, yeah. exactly Tyler Biotish you know taking these the talent that maybe that wasn't necessarily ranked as high. Cole Van Lannan is an example of a four-star kid according to rivals, but you saw what he was able to do with that line. And then he was able to recruit where you're seeing, you know, highly ranked guys like Joe Titman, Logan Brown. We're still waiting on Logan Brown, but uh, Jack Nelson uh, stepping in what he did in the second year as a starter. I guess what is in your eyes, you know, the impact of, of Joe, his legacy on the line since returning in 2015, uh, and then what do you think Bob could do going forward? Or what do you, what would you expect from Bob Bostad? Yeah, I think when you, you start with the legacy part of it for Joe Rudolph, I mean, it was one of those, it was kind of a funny thing because all year fans were, like I mentioned, kind of complaining about the offensive, the state of the offensive line and saying that the program needed to move on from Joe Rudolph. And then I think when it actually happened, those same fans were like, oh, wait a minute, this guy was actually like, a perfect representation of Wisconsin and like, you know, you guys at that rivals would know better than me, but like probably their best recruiter, if you were just kind of ranking them, if there was a, a point scale or their best recruiter and the guy that has closed a lot of huge names for them. And I think just legacy wise, a guy that was not only well liked, but just well respected throughout his profession. I mean, there was a reason Virginia tech came after him as hard as they did. And that's not something that, happens a ton when you're talking about a guy that's been at Wisconsin and loves Wisconsin like Joe, Joe Rudolph does to, you know, have a situation come up to him that says, you know, this is the time. But it was interesting talking to him the day that all the news became official because he said, like, this isn't easy. Like, you know, you hope you're making the right decision and you you think all the factors are in front of you that it's going to be a good one for your family. And that's what it, a lot of it came down to, the moving closer to family. But you could tell, and, and he said it, like, this is still hard. It hasn't been easy the last few weeks, like, knowing, like, hey, my, my days are kind of numbered here. I'm, I'm on the way out the door. But I think just legacy-wise for him, building solid offensive lines, helping guys develop, and not only that, just guys loved him. And I know, Jake, you're, you've talked to as many of, off, of these offensive linemen in the last three years as I have. They love Joe Rudolph, and they love being coached by him. He, he yep. could coach him hard, and you have that mentality of you know building them up as a person too. So I think that's really his legacy, just a guy that was really well-liked and well-respected. And you look at what Bob Bosak can do, there is no doubt about it. Bob Bosak's a tough coach. Like you listen to any of the inside linebackers, any of the guys <laughs> that he's coached in his, his uh, career, he's a tough coach. But he gets – 
I think everything out of a person's individual talent that you can get. And when you look at what he did transitioning to the, the inside linebacker position that, that he did at Wisconsin for the last was five, six years, he talked about guys like Leo Chanel coming from, you know, small town Wisconsin and becoming one of the best linebackers in the country. Jack Sanborn for three years being one of the best linebackers in the country. What or Edwards, those guys all did under a coach that's learning the position too. I think that's one of those <laughs> things like I, I really started to think about with Bob Bosa has moved back to the old line. It's like, look what he did at the tight end spot with like Owen Daniels and, and uh Derek Graham and Dan Graham, yeah. I was, I was blanking on the yep. other one. Uh and then all the old linemen that he produced and then doing it with the, the inside linebackers. There's just no doubt this guy can coach and he's going to be hard on you. But I think he's that same way where he's going to push you to be your absolute best, but he can still build you up individually and, you know, do it in a, in a positive way. And offensive line is one of those positions where it's like, there's no mistaking like, Oh, you know, like, if you're talking about linebackers, oh, I could have maybe dropped a little bit back in the zone, but it was still the safeties guy. Like, no, it's offensive line. You got to move that guy or the, the job's not done. Like, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. And I think Bob Bosa is one of those guys that will be able to push that and, and keep that competition level at a point with that group that, that pushes everybody. Because as we mentioned, all that talent's there. It's got to take a step forward. Guys have to earn some roles. And there's going to be a ton of competition that I'm, I'm – probably the most excited I've ever been to go into a spring and see that offensive line work. And even though spring is terrible for offensive line, cause you're not in full pads all the yeah. time and your, your contact periods are pretty limited. I'm still just really interested to see how that all looks. And I think it's going to be really interesting watching Bob Bosad lead that group again. Well, I think also you talk about that. I thought they, I know Ross Dellinger from SI, I think he was talking about, he had retweeted something about the NCAA even changing the spring rules about contact too going forward. So that's going to be not going to affect it, not just the offensive line, but it's going to affect what's going to happen going forward for like the entire team in terms of contact. Granted, they were so injured. It felt like during the fall five open practices that we saw that, I mean, we saw Jack Dunn uh, become a running back for one of those practices. So right. uh, I digress there, but uh, going to, you know, well, before we get to the, the transfer news, you know, you and I, talked you know to protecting like okay you know where you know seeing if they would hire someone externally or if they would put out an external position uh, and of course was it wednesday night we you know I, I got you know one of our shout out to uh jeff uh at badger blitz forums there where he pointed out to me he sent me a link saying hey it's open now and i was searching I think three to four times a day, refreshing that jobs that with that EDU side to see if there was they're going to look externally for a candidate rather than an internal shuffle uh, of the coaching staff. I know you were doing that too, and you and I were texting mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, will they, will won't they? And I, I guess too, what stood out to you about that? You know, them saying offensive coordinator. It's not just assistant coach; it's offensive coordinator as the lead title. And what stood out to you? I know you wrote about it in the Wisconsin State Journal, and uh, what could it mean for for the staff? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think, number one, it says that Paul Chris is open to, you know, somebody coming in on the offense and having a a top billing role to help him either, whether it's game planning, whether it's play calling, however it shakes out, somebody that's going to be helpful or helping lead the offense from the front. And, you know, when you look through that job description, not that these are always the most descriptive things. They're they're mostly boilerplate. They're covering right. all their legal bases, all that type of stuff. I understand all that. But the things that jumped out to me because they weren't there was like, you know, a specific position being mentioned. Like, is this person going to be expected to be the quarterback's coach? 
There wasn't um, play calling mentioned. Like there's one to three years of experience preferred. And I didn't say anything about if you've called plays before, things of that nature. I think what that did is twofold. Number one, it opens a really wide net. It really keeps that job, you know, possible to, you know, all types of offensive minds and either if they haven't been a quarterback's coach before, if they called plays or not, like it really opens that whole thing up. And then two, I think it gives Paul Chris the option of either hiring somebody that's going to do a bunch of things, like let's say be the offensive coordinator, play caller and quarterbacks coach, or just going to be one thing, just the quarterbacks coach that's got the title of OC. Like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But I think, when you look at that job description, look what Wisconsin needs. They've gone two years scoring less than 26 points a game. And that was the first time they had done that since 2000 or not 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just, they need to score more points. Not that they're going to be a 50 point a game team or anything like that. It's just, you've got to be able to put more points on the board when you know your defense is going to be good and not let the other team score a lot. So, I think that there's an admission on Paul Chris's end of being like, we got to do something a little bit different on offense. And I think this position and how they worded all the posting and everything like that gives them a chance to at least see some resumes from some people that have a de- maybe a little bit more variety of experiences. And I say all of that with also mentioning the fact that there's a seven day window to apply and knowing that they got to be out on the recruiting trail and, you know, they're going to want to move pretty quickly. It makes me think that they've got somebody in mind already and they just had to legally because it's an exterior position, put it up on the job board. But I, I've got to imagine that they've got somebody in mind and they're working through it right now. Yeah, I was going to talk about that seven-day window and what that could mean, but you kind of already hit it on the head there. And you know, obviously, you know, we've seen like the tweets from this. You talked about the recruiting part of it staffs have been out there have been new offers this week and, and we'll get into that maybe next week folks on our podcast talking with john mcnamara about some of the newer offers that have gone out and just anything that we've heard on that recruiting trail there but i i guess even going forward looking at let's talk about the transfers right uh gosh big week two bruins uh stupid pun on my end something was brewing in madison with the and we'll you know we'll talk about uh that with Rick Kimbrell from BruinBlitz.com talking about Jay Shaw, Keontes Lewis, and what they can bring. Uh, he he's covered the Bruins for quite a while, and he had a great you know we had a great talk earlier this week. So folks, you'll we'll you'll, we'll hear that maybe next five minutes or so. We'll we'll play mm-hmm. that, but uh, you know, but you know Jay Shaw, and then you had the report out there. So did Evan Flood from Twenty Four Seven Sports about uh, Kentucky defensive back, you know Cedric Dort Jr. Uh, we've talked about before Justin Clark, who will be in the seventh year playing for Toledo uh, or was playing at Toledo familiar with Hank Poteet because Hank coached there for a few years. And now, so now it looks like you have one wide receiver, but you have three defensive backs now with, you know, that are transferring along with a cannon legged kicker from Arkansas, but focusing in on the defensive backfield. What, what does it mean to you where they lose fan Hicks, they lose Caesar Williams, but they also lost Dante Burton and Deron Harrell to the transfer portal. So there's four defensive backs leaving. You have two incoming for the 2022 class as early enrollees in a Corey Lied and Avion Jones. But, you know, what does that say to you where, where they're bringing in 
players that I think they could be used, especially Shaw, maybe versatile type role in the nickel uh, talk, when talking to Rick and Rick will say more later, but I guess, what does that mean to you for the defensive backs and bringing in three of them through the portal? Yeah, it's to me, it kind of signals that one, they, they knew they had to replace more bodies than they could in the high school ranks, uh, bringing guys in. And then two, it, it shows that they value experience a ton at that position. And they were going into next season before all these transfers without really any, you know, you got Dean Ingram and Alexander Smith who played a ton this year um, as a inside and outside corners, depending on injury and, you know, how exactly. who was playing better in the slot. But I, I think when you look at, you know, you've got, you mentioned Justin Clark, he's going to a seventh college season. Jay Shaw's yep. going into his sixth. Dort's going into his sixth. I mean, these are guys that have played a ton of football. They're going to be able to come in. Jim Leonard, I mean, I'm not – his scheme is complicated in some ways, but for the corners, I really do feel like it's like, hey, that's your guy, cover him at, at times. I know there are mixed zones and everything like that, right. but there's a lot of times where it's, hey, cover your man because we're doing some other things in the middle of the field and we need you one-on-one. And I think that that's what they really focused on and got with these cornerbacks is guys that know how to play, that know how to cover college-level receivers from day one. And that's something that – as talented as I think guys like Jones and Lyde are going to be pretty quickly in their career. And guys like Ricardo Holman who are on the roster and Al Ashford, assuming he's healthy by spring ball and everything. I think there's a ton of young talent that's going to eventually make that step forward. But I think they, Jim Leonard and this staff looked at the roster and said, Hey, we got to have guys that are ready to play day one that have done this already. And we don't have a lot of that. And they went out and got it. And I think what it shows too, is like, Wisconsin's going to be a, a a spot filler. It's going to address things in the transfer portal to keep positions at the level of experience they need to that they feel comfortable at, which I think that they haven't been as aggressive at or at doing in years past. I like that this trend is now going to like, hey, we've got a hole. Let's fill it up. Let's get a bun. Let's get a competition going here with some transfers at the same position and and make it so. That a position of weakness and really a thin position is now one of depth and one that's got experience. Right. And, you know, you talk about that, you know, I remember Saeed Khalif, the former director of player personnel always saying, I remember when we were talking with him, you know, last year and how he said, you know, you look for always a big defensive lineman. So that's something that you always maybe look at in, in the portal too, in case someone, you know, goes that way, but they're addressing those needs that there. And I mean, you know, I'm high on Ricardo Hallman. I think he's going to be a great player. I was huge on him coming out of college or not college, high school. Al Ashford, I thought, looked good during spring ball and, you know, adjusting. You know, there's Amon Williams, who's a walk on, who even flashed during fall camp, uh, fall camp, making a couple of interceptions. But I think this also, you know, like I said, it bolsters the experience. There's going to be competition. I like Alexander Smith and what he can do. Uh, and just his versatility along with Dean Ingram. I know Dean Ingram, you know, was talking about, you know, his goals for next year and whatnot. That's on BadgerBlitz.com's YouTube page with our interview there. You guys can listen to it there a little bit more in depth, but I think it gives more competition and it shores up a lot. And then even looking at Lewis for wide receiver, they're losing Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, and then uh, Jack Dunn, which a lot of experience between Pryor and, and Davis, 64 combined catches for nearly 900 yards and five touchdowns last year. Chimray DK, Marcus Allen, Skylar Bell were the three names that were coming instantly to my head that could do it. But, you know, Lewis is a big six foot three body can make, you know, look, played 200 snaps according to pro football focus. And 
looks like he could be a potential playmaker in the offense in the passing game, uh, depending on his growth and just how he can adjust here in Madison. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And the fact that he played quite a bit as a freshman at UCLA and then didn't record a catch, like right. he's clearly proven, he's proven value at block as, as a blocker. And that's something that when you talk with um, Alvis Witted, the wide receivers coach, he talks about all the time, like you've got a block to play here. That's, no, no questions about it. And that's why he likes some of these bigger body guys is that they are able to just physically move DBs out of the way. And I, I wanted to twist or turn something on you because I know that you've been okay. following stuff. And I think you talked to him not too long ago with all these DB or corners coming in. And then you look at that safety group, it's a little bit thin on the scholarship side where you've got, you know, Torchio, Wohler and Blaylock, really the only scholarship guys I believe uh, in that group right now. Do you think a guy like Jones or Lyde, because their versatility was something they talked about a lot, I think one of those guys could maybe move to safety and and play early? You know, I I think it's someone like – we even saw it with Max Lofi, right, who's listed as a cornerback, but he was a slot. He played slot exclusively from what I saw from my two eyes during the fall camp open practices. and he But he was practicing with the – individually during indie drills or indie position groups with – you know, the safeties. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that's someone, it was like almost like a Madison Cone type thing before he transferred mm-hmm. where a similar role in that vein. You also with, with Jones, I mean, Jim Leonard talked about versatility and believing that he could play anywhere in the secondary. So I think Jones has an opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see just what they can do even between the three guys coming in between Clark uh, Shaw, I think maybe, you know, I know he was a cornerback last year, but can he feel they're talking about, I remember talking, you know, people will hear this from Rick in, in just a little bit, but it's t- saying that he could be a nickel type player uh, and slide in that way, which I know Dean's done uh, throughout last season is the predominant one, not, not Hicks. Hicks was on the outside more, but Ingram was on that inside slot, which stood out to me uh, with that trust and just what you have to do in that role. But I think Jones could be someone that has that as well uh, within that safety group. And, you know, it is something where with the safety group, you have Torchio, John Torchio, you know, Travion Blaylock, Hunter Waller, which I know everyone's high on, uh, especially Colin Wilder when we talked to him <laughs> on, the, on the 14th of December. Uh, but even Preston Zachman, who I thought looked good during spring ball last year, I thought he looked intriguing, but, you know, he didn't play at all last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Brown could be someone as a, a 2022 signee who's he's not enrolling early, but maybe he finds his way on a special team somehow too, but you know, or finds a way there. But I think Jones has an ability to to play anywhere in the secondary based off of what uh, Jim Leonard said. And, and even, you know, Hank Poteet mentioned too, during December 15th, that, that coach availability. So I think that, I mean, they love having the ability to mix and match and play to matchups. And, you know, we've all seen that where, you know, having a three safety look here out of 12 personnel or 22 personnel, or you go straight into like, oh, 11 personnel, who can match up this way? They go three corners, two safeties. So I think, you know, back to your question, I think it's going to be, I think Jones has that ability to do so. I'm, I'm wondering if one of those corner transfer corner defensive backs have that versatility where they could also slide uh, to, you know, the back end of that defensive backfield and, and make some plays there too. So, yeah. but now nah, it's going to be fun, man. This is what, you know, we'll see what happens during spring ball, which is two months or two, three months away already. Uh, Talk about a break for us, but uh, I appreciate you. Yeah. I've already kept you longer than the 15 minutes that I told no, you. No, you're man, fine. So I appreciate you. You started this and you were talking about like, oh, you're taking some days off. I probably get asked once a week by like a friend or a family member that doesn't like quite get this job. Like, so what do you do during the off season? You know, that off season just keeps shrinking. <laughs> At this point, you kind of mean July. I mean, a little bit of June and July, but yeah. Yeah. 
There's no. stuff going on all the time. It's major college football. No, no, I mean, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, I know you and I have been trying to figure out everyone in, on the Wisconsin beats and trying to figure out the offensive linemen were, you know, like who's going to be the offensive line coach. Will there be an offensive coordinator? You know, there was no external hiring. So is, you know, does that, we're asking questions of, does this lean towards Paul Chris keeping everything internally and just moving around pieces uh, like on a chessboard right. for, for coach, for the coaching staff. So yeah, we've had that. And then, you know, just trying to talk with players. Like, you know, I talked to Leo, Leo Chanel, that's the first time I've talked to him since he made his decision public. And I finally got, you know, we got in touch and we made things happen this week. And it's like, Oh yeah. You know, like life of a reporter, man, like breaking news, news never stops. And you and I, and then along with everybody else on this beat, uh, it's been a busy one, uh, a lot busier than what we thought uh, and whatnot too. But uh, on that note, what, anything else you got coming up through the pipeline? Uh, are you gonna be able to take a little, little bit of a break coming up Colton at the Wisconsin state journal? Yeah, we'll see. I'm helping out with basketball a little bit. So you can check out Madison.com. Uh, highly rated basketball team out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. This is supposed to be a down basketball year. So kind of a slower winter on helping that out. Wrong. But nope. it's all right. It's good. It's fun to watch. So, Gotcha. Yeah. Only the number eight team in the nation right now going up against Michigan <laughs> yeah. State in just about an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, a late tip player off. of the year. Yeah. yeah that, just an emerging national player of the year that you got to watch when you were covering you know when you were uh covering sports in lacrosse before you came here to madison so yeah. uh any good johnny okay last question absolutely last question any good johnny davis stories back from uh, his prep days in lacrosse when you were out there so as anybody that's watched his press conferences know like this year he's been a little bit better about talking a little be a little bit more open uh freshman johnny davis that helped lacrosse central win a state championship was uh not great at speaking with media and he was very polite and tried. He just didn't have a whole lot to say. But uh, I believe it was either against Alaska, so like the cross or like the next town rival, or Holman, which is kind of the same thing up in the lacrosse area. Um, pretty sure he had like something like eight steals and two dunks in the same game. And <laughs> up there, and it was insane. And I'm talking to him afterwards. He's like, "Well, yeah, I mean, like nobody was there, so I figured why not dunk it." I'm like. Yeah, that's like really hard for 99% of the world, but that's awesome. That's cool. You can do that. So yeah, it was fun. Awesome, man. Colt, man, it's always great talking to you uh, on podcasts. Anytime I see you, man, appreciate you. Uh, hopefully you're able to take a little bit of a break and a little some vacation time here and there. I know I'm going to try to uh, next week, but in between all the, if they do announce, you know, with that hiring date, being effective what january 31st is what they're saying for the offensive coordinator role but uh thanks again brother appreciate you uh, we'll talk to you soon no time Jake. see you folks that's colton bartholomew from wisconsin state journal of course wisconsin badgers football beat writer of course the host i forgot to mention this of the red zone podcast uh which you can also hear anywhere you have podcasts as well so we're gonna take a quick break come back uh we'll play the audio from from our talk with Rick Kimbrell from Bruin Blitz talking about Jay Shaw, talking about Keontes Lewis and what they did and what could be the, what they could bring to Wisconsin. So you'll hear more here on the badgerblitzspot.com podcast powered by Overtime Media in just a minute after we pay some bills with the Mads. Big thanks again to Colton Bartholomew for joining the badgerblitz.com podcast. This is Jake Kukorowski, senior writer. Now we're going to take you to our conversation I had with Rick Kimbrell, publisher of BruinBlitz.com the Rivals.com destination that covers all things UCLA athletics, talking about two former Bruins in Jay Shaw and Keontes Lewis. Check it out here. 
Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of Badger Blitz TV. Uh, kind of an extra one. I, I thought the my interview with Leo Chanel uh, yesterday would be it. But uh, you know what? We have one more guest coming up uh, this week on Badger Blitz TV. Why? Because something was brewing in Madison. I am so sorry for that uh, pun, but I am a dad for that matter. But, two, you know, Wisconsin picked up two transfer commitments from former UCLA players. That's defensive back Jay Shaw, wide receiver Keontes Lewis. And to help us break down these two, I'm very happy to just been talking with him uh, a little bit earlier this morning and talked to him uh, yesterday before we had him on the show. We got Rick Kimbrell, Kimbrell from uh, BruinBlitz.com, our rivals.com, cousins that cover UCLA. Rick, thanks for making time on Thursday morning, man. And uh, I guess, you know, Wisconsin's had nine players entered the transfer portal. Uh, two of them were dismissed before that, but prior to entering the portal, but they've had nine. You know, how has the transfer portal, before we get into Shaw and Lewis, how has the transfer portal affected UCLA and its roster so far in 2022? They've lost 14, last time I was look, really looking at it the other day, 14 players. Uh, one thing that Chip Kelly has done extraordinarily well has been the use of the portal. Uh, Britton Brown, the running back, helped them. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, uh, Quantez Knight, uh, great safety who really uh, brought a lot of attitude to the defense. So they've been pretty. They've been very uh, good. Paul Gratton, uh, offensive lineman, they've been very successful in the portal. This is the first time there's been a lot of uh, players leaving, uh, which is interesting. But that that's kind of a trend across the whole college football landscape but talking about the two guys that that i'm here for uh jay shaw and and keontes uh lewis you 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 picked up two outstanding football players in my opinion uh jay shaw was in my opinion the best cover corner on the team uh he really did a lot of good things at the end when UCLA's pass defense started to make some improvement. I mean, let's, when you move up from 117 to 107, I mean, <laughs> it's not, there's still a lot of holes, but uh, he, was a, he was one of the reasons why they were able to make up that movement. Uh, I thought he would have been an excellent nickel this year because I think that they're gonna, they have a couple of other corners. And I was very happy to see that he was coming back. Uh, he made an announcement, I'm coming, returning, and then he puts his name in the portal. But I think uh, he's an outstanding football player, and I think that the uh, Badgers picked up a really good player who's going to fit in with the, the culture there, uh, and he's going to be a good teammate to the Badgers. Now, Lewis is a freshman who has off-the-chain potential. Uh, big 6'2 guy, fast, good body control. Uh, just really impressive in practice. Didn't get a lot of a lot of time in in games, but but again, his potential is tremendous. And you know, let, let's talk about let's back up and talk about Shaw for a quick second. We got a graphic up here. I don't know if you can see this, Rick, but you know, he announced his commitment to Wisconsin on the 18th of, of January. You know, UCLA lists him at five foot 11, 190 pounds, 43 career games with 16 starts. Reeled in six interceptions, including a team-high three last season for the Bruins. I mean, 
the pro football grade was 82.7 for those that, uh, you know, follow that service or subscribe to that service. It's the best on the Bruins defense uh, in 2021. Uh, and, you know, he also had 27 tackles and four pass breakups last year too. I guess, you know, going back to, you talk about him being the best cover corner. What did Shaw, you know, how did, how was he used primarily throughout his time in UCLA and you talked about him going to corner. Does he have that flexibility to be both an outside and an inside, you know, a slot type corner? I, I think, I think he does definitely. As a matter of fact, I was talking to uh, one of my sources about him before he uh, transferred. Cause we were really high on thinking, yeah, put him in and get him on a slot and, and maybe get John Humphrey or another one of the corners with, to go with Kirkwood on, on, at the other one because Kirkwood is a is a emerging superstar in my opinion. He's going to end up being one of the best that ever played the position at UCLA, and that's saying something because they put a lot of DBs in, the, in into the NFL. Uh, but uh, no, he is just really uh, just a fantastic uh, cover guy, man. Now, he, you, 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 he has good closing, too. If, if, if a guy gets a step, he's just... Again, I was thinking he should have played a lot more throughout his career. Um, but, you know, I'm not in the defensive back room, so I don't know what was going on in there. But, uh, but when he played, UCLA was a better defense, in my opinion. And I was going to say, too, uh, going over and looking at someone like, you know, talking about Keontes Lewis and waiting for my player card to come there, you know, again, same day, just a few hours after uh, after Shaw made his announcement via Instagram, you know, Lewis made his via the social media as well. Uh, 6'3", 197 per the roster. He played in 11 games as a true freshman. He's a, you know, class of 2021 recruit. Yeah. Didn't, didn't catch a pass. I mean, the Pro Football Focus reported – 207 snaps played last season, which that's that's a substantial amount for a true freshman in 11 games and getting you know used to the speed of the college game from high school. He held 27 offers from various teams. I mean, gosh, you look at those, I think it was like Ole Miss. There are several Big Ten schools involved, uh, et cetera, on that Auburn, if I'm not mistaken, too. I guess with him, just, you know, I know you talked about just, you know, him with potential. You know, how was he used within – the Bruins offense. And even though he didn't catch a pass, well, he was targeted a couple times, it, but see the, the, most of the targets went to uh, guys that are going to probably play in the NFL. Uh, Phillips, the, the, uh, the uh, slot back and, and uh, the tight end, Greg Dulcich uh, got most of the targets and, and Brown, Cam Brown was getting a lot of targets, but he had a couple, I think he dro- had a couple drops, but uh his potential is off the charts. It's he's a, just a big guy in practice. He was making those catches, strong hands, uh, and the reason why he obviously at UCLA you don't play wide receiver unless you are going to be a, uh, a good blocker. Getting make because that's what they do at UCLA. They want to run the football, and if you want to play wide receiver, you got to make blocks. So and so you're going to get a guy that's going to be pretty well trained in blocking in, in the run game. And I know I don't get to watch the Badgers that often, but uh, they used to like to run the football, and I'm pretty sure they still do. And so he's going to help in that game. He's going to help in that. But he's going to be a, he's going to be a target, man. He's got speed. He's got good length. Uh, he, I think, again, for me, 
I think losing Shaw and, and, and Lewis were the two biggest losses. I'd have to look at the list again because I try to keep in the present moment what's going on and, and they're gone. Okay. God bless you. Good luck. And, and I, I wish you all the best and go Badgers when you guys are playing. Um, but I'm, I'm concentrating on UCLA and not on the guys that are in the portal. But uh, those two guys jumped out at me when they got in there, especially since they both played so much. And I know that, that Keontae Lewis was going to be a – he was, was going to take that next step, but I guess he's going to take that next step with, with Wisconsin in the Big Ten. <laughs> Rick, Rick, man, I appreciate all of you making time today, uh, you know, in such short notice talking to us uh, about the two uh, former Bruins that are now going to be Badgers. Uh, what else, what do you got going on at, at, at BruinBlitz.com coming up this week with both football, basketball, recruiting? I mean, a lot going on it's, this time of year. Well, you know, like I said earlier, uh, Chip Kelly has done the portal really well. And we the Bruins just picked up a, a commitment out of the portal. Uh, and they picked up a new coach. Look, we got a lot. UCLA needs to hire a new defensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator. So there's a new offensive line coach. There's a lot of stuff going on in that end. Uh, basketball, you know, Mick Cronin, uh, UCLA fans are so happy that he showed up because it, UCLA is a blue blood, blood uh, basketball program. There's no question about it. It has more national championships than any other team. Unfortunately, they are all with one coach except for one. And uh, so but we think that, uh, that Mick Cronin is going to bring home another banner. And they're really fired up about uh, what he's doing. And what folks have to remember, he's doing this with Steve Alford's players. He's not doing it with his, his recruits. And, and uh, it, he's done a remarkable job. Excellent. Rick, man, we appreciate you once again, man. Have a great start to 2022. Uh, Thank and we'll you. talk you to you well. soon. Thank you. My pleasure being with you. Thank you for having me, my friend. Big thanks again to Rick Kimbrell from BruinBlitz.com taking some time earlier this week to discuss the two new Badgers coming from UCLA. For that note, folks, we're going to break it down here. We're going to send it home, uh, as I say. Thank you all for listening. Big thanks again to not just Rick, but to Colton Bartholomew, the Wisconsin State Journal's Wisconsin beat writer, and really appreciate them both this week making some time be sure to for this podcast make sure you subscribe itunes spotify google wherever you have podcasts that's where badger blitz will be and then on top of that to uh please subscribe to not just this i mean this is it you know like i said the podcast is free but also youtube our youtube channel we're growing still we had leo you know chanel on there we had uh, we're having john chanel come up next week we've had scott nelson we have tons of content coming up during the off season that we're still formulating, still putting together to deliver. And that's all free. So hit that subscribe button, hit those like buttons, help us grow that product too. And then of course, subscription, subscribe to badgerblitz.com, part of the rivals network. We have tons of info, 40 years of experience between Ben Wargle, John McNamara, and myself uh, delivering you everything again from the recruiting trail inside camp Randall stadium and on the Cole center court. So, Again, we have that uh, Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers on BadgerBlitz.com. And for Twitter, for me, it's at Jcoco, J-K-O-C-O. Uh, we also have for Ben, it's at the Badger Nation. 
John McNamara at McNamara Rivals. Raul Vasquez, our staff writer, does all the basketball previews. Raul V45. On that note, we're just going to take it home from there. Y'all have a great week and stay safe, stay well, be well, take care of others. We'll talk to you next week here on the BadgerBliss.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.